Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome back to another podcast. It's that time again. It is. Hey, uh, you guys may listen to us and think to yourselves, man, you know what? I had these questions and they didn't answer these questions. They, I had so many questions that you didn't answer for me, Pastor PJ. You answered questions I didn't have. In fact, you created more questions for me. That's probably than I true. I yes, I received that rebuke. Yeah. Well, hey, here's the thing: we uh, we're never going to be able to get to everybody's questions, and that's honestly that's not our goal. That's not the goal. That's not our goal in this. This I is, thought this was an exhaustive, tell me all the answers to the questions they had podcast. Nope, it's not. It's not. And that's why we encourage you to have a good study Bible or a commentary with you as you do your study. And a study practice. A study practice. Uh, because our goal here is to, to really kind of summarize the general uh, tenor and narrative of what's going on in each of these chapters as we go through it so that you kind of have a, a general idea of what's going on here. So um, th- that's what we're after. And uh, we commend to you some some good study resources and study practices there. It's good for you as you read to, to write down all the different questions that you have. That's a great practice to have as you read through a, a text is to make note of those things and then to go back and, and try to get answers to as many of them as you possibly can. And you know, if there's some that you still have after all that, if you want to send us an email at podcast at compassntx.org, uh, or if you want to just email Pastor Rod directly, he's got plenty of time on his hands. <laughs> no. So much. No, but if, you, if you've if you got questions, shoot us an email or text us or ask us. Or send the questions at com- podcast pod- at compassntx.org. And then, and then we'll do our best to, to address them. Right. We will we will do our best. Yeah. But you should know, we, we man, th- this is why this is so important to reading it and reading the whole thing, even reading it at a high level overview like this is so beneficial and important to your actual study. It's like seeing the forest and the yeah. trees at the same time. Yep. Tell us why. Because it is. <laughs> no. I feel so encouraged right now. Yeah. You've got the gift, bro. Thanks, man. You've got the gift of encouragement. I'm inspired. I, I, I confess, I, I didn't hear the question. Okay, so... You were say you were saying it's so cool. Write down the questions. Right. Write down the questions. Yes. And by the way, I've done this. Yes. And I find that over the course of several years, my questions eventually get answered as I understand the Bible better because I have a better understanding of who God is. That that's so I, I can't tell you how uh, gratifying that is. Yeah. Incredible that is. Um, why is it good to have a full scope overview of the Bible, and how does that help us to better appreciate the the study part of our Bible study? The, the, you know, when we go down to the nitty gritty, keeping the forest and the trees together in right. the same perspective. Well, because the the answer to your question cannot disagree with the meta narrative of Scripture, right? And so, when we understand where God is going with the whole thing, it helps us better understand the the on the ground uh, details of things. And so, we we can that will help inform our our answers. And then, when we get those answers, if we can connect it to what God is doing with the whole thing, that helps us better appreciate the the answers that we get in the the on the ground moments too. Totally. Yeah. And it's so beneficial. You should you should be aiming to study your Bible as much as you can. Yeah. Now, granted, there's seasons for all of us where it may not make sense. You have a newborn or twins coming out of your belly. Probably not going to be studying a whole specific. lot. <laughs> because I was thinking about someone specific right now because I was texting with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, there's times when it's not going to be what you want it to be. Right. But you should aspire to get time in your word, man. Not just daily in the Bible reading it, although that's wonderful. 
but studying it. Or Psalm 1 calls it to, to meditate. Yeah. Blessed is the man who meditates on his word day and night. Marinate in the Bible. Marinate, yeah, yeah. like a good barbecue. Something that you might do on that line, and this made me think of it when you're saying you find that your questions get answered, read with a pencil and uh, and write. If you've got a question, Dude, put a question mark in the margin. Don't put Don't put pen. Yeah, put, put a question mark in pencil in the margin, and once you find the answer to that question, then go back and erase it. And with, and write down in pen the answer to it? Write down the pen the answer to it, or just note that you're you're learning and you're growing in these things, because the yeah. next year when you read through that text, you'll see, oh, I had a question there. I, I don't have that question anymore. I got that answer, and you can erase that question mark. Yeah, I, I find that when I write stuff down, I, I've used pen sometimes. Yep. Uh, you know, those like little... Uh, they're like markers that you buy for thin paper, like right. Bibles. Right. And, uh, and I find like, okay, there's times when I make marks, I'm like, that. I don't think that's a right mark anymore. What do you do with that? White out. <laughs> White out your Bible? And then just write the word. I no, just ripped the kidding. Bible out. No, but I, I'm a big fan of marking up your Bible. My Bible is marked up to, to high heaven. And, but when and you mark it up, do you find that the markers, the markings are still like, oh yeah, that's that. I agree with that marking I made three years ago. Well, I sometimes, and, and sometimes not. Sometimes. But, but I think that's, an encouragement too to just show us the progression of our faith, right? Like you're not going to hell because your marking was wrong in your Bible that you made three years ago. Yeah, but that would annoy me though. I wouldn't want that marking in my Bible because it's wrong. <laughs> okay, well then we're revealing uh, some hard issues of OCD maybe <laughs> more than we are anything else. You know? I want an accurate Bible, thank you very much. Well, it, then leave it alone, right? Like the okay. Bible's accurate. You, your markings don't make it more accurate. I am studying it. I want accurate study notes. <laughs> you can't. You can. Hey, happy birthday to a few people. Ramin Panahi. Ramin. Happy birthday. Ramin, love you so much, man. We do. Happy birthday. We do. We love Ramin. He's a, a great guy. Uh, Gianna Truesdale, happy birthday. Gianna. We're hey, thankful for you, you on Wednesday, but. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, at youth group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they dedicated their, their kiddos on uh, on Sunday they this past did. weekend. So that was exciting. Yeah, well, I guess a week ago, since it's now Monday. I don't know what yeah. day it is on our podcast. It's whatever. It's whatever day it is. Happy birthday, Gianna. And happy birthday. Happy birthday. Camila. Camila. Happy birthday, Camila. Camila so Contreras. grateful for your family. You're going to have some siblings soon. You are dose. Dose. Yep. I wonder how often she listens to this podcast. Probably, Probably every day. Every day. And I bet she's taking notes in her, her Bible, her yes. children's Bible, her yes. ESV children's Bible. Well, knowing her family, she probably reads it from the Greek. With crayon. With crayon. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. People like seminary students use crayon because they, they like that it doesn't bleed through the pages. Uh, but the, 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 yeah, but we're the done edge. with this conversation. Let's get into the, the Bible. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 22, 22 and 23. Hey, chapter 22 opens up, uh, in the first 16 verses or so with, I, I, I summarized it as an inventory of wickedness. This is, this is not a good thing. Uh, there's three sections to chapter 22 and they're all marked off by the word of the Lord came to me. Uh, 22 verse one, the word of the Lord came to me 17. The word of the Lord came to me. 23, the word of the Lord came to me. So each of these three sections, the, the first section there that I just mentioned, it's an inventory of wickedness. I mean, you look at, uh, through all these things and he's just describing all the sinfulness. Father and mother treated with contempt. Sojourner suffers extortion. We talked about James caring for the widow and the orphan here. They're not doing that. The fatherless and the widow are wronged. All of these things that Israel is doing wrong. Again, why? So that Israel can't stand there and say, God, this is unjust what you're doing. This is the indictment. This is the unsealing of the indictment against Israel. Then verses 17 through 22 uh, is is pretty strong where God basically says, Israel, you've become worthless to me. You are the dross. Now, dross in the the refining is not a good thing. The dross is what you want purged and removed. Waste material. It's waste material. And that's what the Lord is saying Israel has become. They've become dross to him. 
which is again strong. And then verses twenty three uh, through the the end of the chapter, there I, I just summarize this is this is the totality of depravity. He indicts the prophets and the priests and the kings, the rulers, the princes. Here, he said there's there's a total failure across the board to to follow the way that that Israel should be following him, and uh, it's it's just the full indictment there. Just notice the corruption that sin provides provokes. Uh, all of society has become corrupt. They're oppressors. They 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 demean the downtrodden. They they are socially in, unjust. There is a place for social injustice, and that's what Scripture calls them to to do the opposite of. But you see the connection. The connection is when we engage in sin corporately as a people. This is a natural a natural uh, outcome of that kind of behavior. Mm. Yeah, chapter twenty three. Then can we, we skip twenty three? Yeah, we get two sisters in 23. And in 23, again, parents is one of the more explicit chapters. Uh, oh, hola and oh, holy ba. Um, this is yeah, <laughs> no, uh, this is not uh, anything holy that's going on here. The, these are two sisters and uh, Israel is one and Judah is the other one. And uh, Ohola is uh, Israel, and Oholiba is uh, Judah, the, the southern kingdom. Ohola takes up a, a short portion of this. Um, her sinfulness is indicted against what she did when uh, she provoked God and how the Assyrians came and took, took her out eventually. And then her sister, verse 11, is Oholiba, and that is Judah. And Judah saw what happened to her sister Samaria and yet did not care uh, and even did worse. And Judah has suffered greatly as a result of that. Um, she has flaunted things and uh, God has turned in disgust, it says in verse 18, from her. Um, and so this is, uh, again, a very explicit chapter comparing the the rebellion of Oholiba, of Judah there to a, a prostitute in her dealings. And uh, God is is sickened by it, as he should be, as we understand it. I did find something interesting it, in verse 23. The Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, Pekad and Shoah, Koah, and all the Assyrians with them. It seems here that the Assyrians were subsumed by the Babylonians when Babylon came in and conquered them. And they are not only executing judgment against Israel, but also executing judgment here against Judah in the south. Perhaps it's at least one way of viewing it. But certainly we see that God is, is sovereign in bringing the judgment against the people here in verse 23, or chapter 23. All right, so let's talk about the shock and awe again, just to be, uh, I don't know, to be, I try to be helpful here. Yeah. This is a this is a crude chapter. It is. One of the most crude in the entire Bible. Certainly. I'd rather read Song of Solomon than this chapter. Uh, probably. And, the, I mean, so what, the graphicness. I mean, it, okay, so the bottom of my ESV here, uh, the word bosom. Yep. The word bosom. Uh, Hebrew, nipples. Yep. So, <laughs> it's It's graphic. It is. What on earth? Yep. What what is God accomplishing with this, Pastor PJ? Uh the heinousness of sin, the 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 heinous nature of sin, the the filthy nature of sin. I I think that's a it's appropriate for God to condescend to us in this regard because for him being perfectly holy, sin is always seen as it in its true nature. We being sinful can't fully appreciate the true the true grotesque nature of sin in the same way that he can, right? I mean, perfect light can recognize any measure of darkness. When you are in the darkness, it's hard to recognize when you go from one shade of darkness to another shade of darkness. Mm. And so I think God reaches into the depths of some of the darkness here in this chapter to get people to understand this is, this is how he looks at our sin. So it's, it's a necessary move on God's part to employ the graphic 
words in order to say, this is what your sin is like to me. Yes. And for us, it's appropriately reprehensible. It's like, oh, I don't want to even want to read this. Right. The, 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 the depictions and, and the, the physical anatomy, the thing, like what is even that about? Like he's, a, he's deliberately inciting your disgust, your shock, your, your aghastness in right. order to say, this is how your sin affects me. This is what it, that's what it is. This is what it's like. I, yeah. And I think mission accomplished God. I still yeah. feel the like, okay, I'm a little revulsed by this. And, 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 and yet, and, and God is immutable, right? So this is the same God that we worship. This is the same God before whose eyes, because he's omniscient that we still sin today. And so this just makes me so grateful, even more so for his patience and his mercy and his grace. That's true. Um, in our lives, because we are no better than Israel. Uh, our sin may be different, but we are no better. Our sin is no more attractive to God because it's a little bit more sanitized than Israel's sin may have been. We're not burning our children in the arms of a statue dedicated to Molech, but we have our own sin. Oh, mercy, man. And it's maybe arguably worse. It could, it, in some regards, it is. Yeah. yeah. In some instances, it is. Hopefully, Certainly far more. not with our people listening on, on the podcast. I sure hope not. Yeah. But it, it's... But we, God could even forgive that, by the way. Exactly. But our sin is 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 grotesque to, to God nonetheless, whatever your sin is. Yeah. Um, and it's just a good reminder of God's mercy and grace. Hey, uh, here's verse 35. When Israel had cast God behind their back, that terrifying verse that I alluded oh. to yesterday. Here it is. Here it is in the right chapter. Um, <laughs> and in kind of in keeping with what we're talking about, I, I feel like I, I can't help but look at our nation and feel like we're, we're there. Um, and we're not Israel. Yeah. And that's we've said that multiple times before. But there was a picture the other day that I saw on a news site of some of oh, the no. uh, congressmen kneeling in prayer uh, before one of the sessions. And it was being led oh, by the, the oh, current okay. Speaker of the House. And, yeah, yeah. I heard good things about him. And a couple other guys. And, and that was an encouraging scene, although it just made me mourn because I, I, I that stands out as so unique. Abnormal. And abnormal. He was called out for that, too. Right. And that's that's where we live. I mean, God has certainly been thrust behind the back of this nation. And uh, it's we need to pray. Uh, pray for revival, pray for God to soften hearts, pray for God to save people. I know, I mean, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Politically, I think our default can be to, to get angry first, mm-hmm. but uh, rather than, than imprecatory prayers against some of our political leaders, can we start praying in church that God will save them? If we want to see change, that's going to be change. If we want to see, if, if we're hoping for a future for our kids in this country uh, and, and a better future for our kids in this country, and that's not our ultimate hope, but if we do have that as part of our hope, which I think is appropriate, our hope is that they, they, some of these people get saved. Not that, that God just smites them or replaces them, but that we need them broken over their sin and we need salvation to come to them. So I, I, that's been on my heart a lot recently. That starts in your home. That starts in your backyard, under your roof, with your family. That starts at your church. Yeah, you want to see this take place. Well, we've got to we've got to be willing to put in the spiritual sweat equity to things like pray, prayer. Yeah, we, we, you want God to move. We need to ask God to do that. We need to do that sincerely. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go to chapter two of James. Of James. Yeah, not clear. of Ezekiel. Not any we're, book at all. Hey, we're going to start Ezekiel over again. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yay. Here we go. Chapter two, the sin of partiality. Uh, th- this is that is a, what you named the chapter? Yeah. Nope. That's what the ESV. Okay. Just checking. Um, the excellent standard version, the exceptionally English Sanctified. standard version. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something interesting here. He's talking about the, the partiality shown between the poor and the, the, the rich. Uh, he says this interesting thing and says uh, that God has chosen those who are poor uh, for the kingdom. Now, 
does that mean that he's only chosen those that are poor for the kingdom of God? What about the rich people, right? Because there are wealthy believers that are genuine believers yes. in this world. Is yeah, one of those? Yeah, <laughs> sort of. Um, one commentary I read said, you know, it's it's those that are poor that, that probably are more in tune with their need, their full need for, for salvation. I've read that before. And for yeah. God. I, I think there's probably something to that. But uh, but this is not, all that to say, this is not saying that, that this is to the exclusion of. This is addressing a problem that was facing some of these churches, and that is that they were giving preference, as James says, to those that had the money and uh, neglecting the true religion, which he had just come off of talking about at the end of chapter one. Remember, chapter divisions are not sanctified. They're not there. They're not inspired. So he's just been talking about true religion. And then he goes on to say, hey, you know what? What's really happening? This is not good. You're showing partiality in some of these churches to those that are rich over the poor. And he's just saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be treating everyone the same way. Uh, the, the motive behind that, verse 8, is uh, the royal law, which is something that James introduces here. That uh, Love is, that, that wording. Yeah, yeah. And it's the royal law because it's the law that comes from the, the king, right? The king of kings. And that is that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we do that, James says, we're, we're doing well. Um, that's how our, our mentality should be. And and that's the, the second greatest commandment. In fact, Pastor Rod, you, you preached on on this concept of love this uh, this past weekend with our men. Mm-hmm. Um the first greatest commandment is love God with everything. Second greatest commandment is love our neighbor as ourselves. Why can James say it so simply? Look, if you do that, you're doing well. Why can he just say, I'm confident that if you're doing this, you've got it. So, man, <laughs> thanks for setting it up for me, man. But we may not finish this podcast for another 45 minutes. Well, you only preached for 40 this weekend. So 48, 45, I went to 48. I was, I was tracking it. 47. Uh, yeah. Okay. So really quick here. Uh, so let's start with the foundation. God himself is love. He, he defines love. Everything he does is from his character being a, uh, the character of love. He, he judges in love. He uh, shows mercy in love. His character is from love. He bears kids uh, from love. So we share his spiritual DNA. We are therefore given deposits of his love, and our call is to develop it. And when he calls us in Matthew 22 to love him and love our neighbor as ourselves, he's essentially saying, when you do this, you fulfill all of the law. Why? Because love is what provokes and motivates adherence to all of it. Uh, if, if I love you well, God doesn't have to tell me not to, to be envious of you. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna be stoked that you're doing well. I'm gonna be stoked that you have this or that. If I love you well, I'm, I'm not gonna be tempted to, uh, to, to covet your car or your house, because I'm gonna be excited that God has given you that. I'll celebrate that because I, I would love you like I love myself. I'm gonna see that as a victory on all sides. So uh, we think about Galatians five twenty two. It's the beginning of the spiritual fruit. Um, and there's so much. The Bible makes it clear. You're put here on this planet to glorify God, and we do that primarily by loving Him and loving our neighbors ourselves. And we do this. Everything else falls into place. Yeah, helpful. Faith without works. This is uh, this is why Luther called this a right straw-y straw-y. He believed wrongly, but he believed that uh, that James and Paul were in disagreement here. He believed that James was preaching a works-based salvation, and that Paul was preaching a salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Seems like it on the face of it. It does. It does because James says here, you see that they're that a person is justified by works. For example, in verse twenty-four, and if that's all he said then we've got a problem, but he doesn't stop there. He says, not by faith alone. Uh, one way that, that this has been put is a faith that works is a faith that works. In other words, the, the faith that saves produces fruit. It, it works. It shows it, itself. And that's what he, his argument is here. He says, you're going to tell me you have faith in, 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 and I have works. His challenge is show me your faith without your works. How are you going to do that? Right. You can't, right? If you're going to show your faith, it's because, that's you're doing just that you're, you're evidencing it with work. And so that's his whole 
platform here is faith that works is faith that works. If you're truly possessing saving faith, it's going to look like that. Yeah. It's going to show itself in your life. So James is not arguing that your works save you. He's arguing that your saving faith works. And if, if you don't have any works in your life, yeah, you've got a problem. You've got empty faith. You've got faith that's dead, faith that's, that's useless, as he says here, uh, because it, you have to have these works to, to even show that you have the faith to begin with. So verse 24 is probably the, mo- the most problematic of the, ter- of, the, of the verses here. He says this, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. That sounds pretty contradictory to what Paul says, uh, but I think one of the ways that we can resolve this is by understanding that James' audience is different than, than who Paul has in mind here. Before God, it is faith alone. Before God, we are made right by him in the way that, in, in our belief in Christ and, and that alone. And I think that's James's opinion too. I would say that because he quotes Abraham. Abraham be- believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So clearly James doesn't deny salvation by grace alone through faith alone. However, when it comes to your faith in other people, the justification. So I, I like the way Jay said, though, Baxter says it. He says, faith justifies the man. Works justify the faith. That's like you were, what you were saying here. Um, our faith must work. And if faith doesn't work, it's not a real faith. It's a dead faith. And that's why he's saying, look, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. You see the faith in action. Faith must act. And if it's not a faith that does act, the faith isn't real in the first place. And therefore, it can't be salvific. And there are so many other areas that we can point to to where Paul agrees with this, right? When Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? In Philippians 2, even the the imagery that Paul so loved of death to life, I think that's helpful here. When when you look at Ephesians 2 and you see that we were dead and then we were made alive, how do you recognize a living body? It's it's doing something. It's working. It's living. It's active. Nobody's going to look at a corpse and say, well, that, that body's alive. You're right. going to say, no, it's not. Right. Yeah, no, it is. No, no, it's it's not. There's no evidence of life there. And that's James' whole point. If we have life, there's going to be evidence of it. And that's that's what he's trying to argue here. So is James disagreeing with Paul? No, James isn't disagreeing with Paul. He's It's the, the one coin, two different sides to that one coin. Paul emphasized one side. James is emphasizing the other. But it's the same coin of salvation. Indeed. And at the end of the day, what this means then, practically speaking, is that a true Christian will do what? A true Christian will, will be zealous for these things as it's mentioned elsewhere in scripture we're, we're saved to be zealous for good works we're saved to to live a transformed a sanctified life in fact that's one of the things we talked about this past sunday is god is continually sanctifying us and and we want to be seeing the evidence of that in our lives so my faith is not in my works but man i, I want to be able to look at my life 2020 hindsight whatever and see how god has used his, his grace in my life to transform me over the years. So we're the ones who are cooperating. We, we are synergistically participating, participating with God in the activity of sanctification. He's the one who provokes us, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. He's the one who motivates us. He's the one who wills us. But we respond by doing the work. We sweat, we work, but it's God working through us. Right, Amen. right. So go and work this week. That's right. Yep. Go do some good deeds. In the power of God. For his hey, glory. We, we love you all. We'll see you again or talk to you again tomorrow. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.